This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I think we all know if it bleeds, it leads. The more they can get you to stay inside and watch their panic porn, the higher the ratings. Researchers at Dartmouth built a database recently monitoring the COVID coverage of the major news outlets across the world and found that while other countries mix the good news in with the bad, the U.S. national media reported almost 90% bad news. Even as things were getting better, the reporting remained negative. And politicians, they lie because it's their nature to cover their ass so they don't get blamed if things goes badly. And also to keep in practice. But when all of our sources for medical information have an agenda to spin us, yeah, you wind up with a badly misinformed population, including on the left. That is uh, Bill Moore, again, uh, to me, right on the money. Uh, and that, I didn't really think that and over, up until the last 18 months or so. Lance Morrow joins us now, journalist and author of several books. His latest, The Noise of Typewriters, Remembering Journalism. Lance, did journalism drop the ball during the pandemic? Uh, well, yeah, I think that, well, a lot of people dropped the ball. I think it was a, uh, uh, it was a failure on, on many fronts, but certainly, uh, uh, certainly journalism tended to, uh, follow bad leads from the, it's a, it's a larger problem, uh, in journalism of, uh, who, who are the authorities? Who do you do? Who, who can tell you the truth about a big story like that and how, how does journalism dig into it and think for itself? A lot of it is just uh, uh, kind of following the lead of Dr. Fauci or whoever. And uh, so, yeah, there was a tremendous amount of confusion and disinformation. Not all of it perfidious, or I mean, some of it was understandable. But uh, but you're right. It was a it was a very uh, confused and tumultuous kind of journalism. Journalism's very imperfect stuff, um, and, and as, as we know, the the first rough draft uh, is often very rough indeed. So you have this book out, "The Noise of Typewriters: Remembering Journalism." When was the journalism? When was journalism's heyday? Uh, the I don't idealize the 20th century journalism and all of that. A lot of it was just. Uh, uh, following the the uh, uh, you know the authorities and, and so on, but nevertheless there was a different it was a different world and it was a different journalism and uh, there was a different standard in the sense that a journalism a journalist believed and by the way we never called ourselves journalists we thought that was a pompous term we call ourselves either reporters or newspaper men or newspaper women but uh the the assumption was that there was something such a thing as objective truth for example and that it could be found out and that you you dug at it and found it out uh and there was not this very unstable 
strange world that we're in now, which is the world of the screens and the uh, keyboard and the computer and the mouse and social media and everybody with a smartphone and everybody with a uh, Facebook or Twitter account uh, and uh, a very unstable idea of what the world is and what the facts are. So the the assumption was uh, back in the period that I'm uh, writing about was that uh, that you could discover the truth in in the same way that you could solve a, the cops could solve a crime. You know, there was a gun of a certain caliber, and the victim was white or black or whatever, and uh, the murderer was described as wearing a green jacket and being five feet nine and so on. In facts of, of the uh, of that kind. I mean, the, the uh, Woodward and Bernstein, when they were uh, running down the uh, yeah. Watergate thing, well, they were they acted like cops, you know, instead of political reporters. And, and it was as cops that they chased that particular story. So and of course, uh, I think they're celebrating some type of anniversary. I think they're both in their 80s now or, or close there. Uh, Lance Moore, our guest, the, the name of the book is The Noise of Typewriters, Remembering Journalism. So, so Lance, another thing was brought up to me in that journalism, uh, journalists for the most part, was more of a blue-collar profession. You weren't really rich or famous. You were just doing the work. Correct? Yeah, Has that changed? Lot, yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of that. Uh, there was a, yeah, there was a change. Actually, when I was a young man, it tended to be a little more to become a little more gentrified, just as I was coming in in the 60s, gentrified in the sense that uh, reporters now or then rather would started to become college graduates and especially Ivy League graduates at the uh, other papers before it was much more blue collar, although you, you, you don't forget that uh, Columnists, columnists like Walter Lippmann and Joe, Joe Alsop and Stuart Alsop were very much uh, blue blood types. Right. You know? There's there's always uh, there's always uh, different classes of journalists. There were the saloon journalists like uh, Jimmy Breslin and Pete Hamill, who were who would you know uh, get their cast of characters from the uh, police precincts and they'd walk up and down the tenement squ- uh, stairs and they covered uh, working people. Uh, but then there were there were the the uh, rather lofty. Uh, People like the Alsops or the the big picture characters like Dorothy Thompson and so on. So it was it was a variety. It was a variety, but it was it was a different world and a different journalism, very different from what we have now. So who is who's the who in your mind personifies the perfect journalist or the near perfect journalist with the that the produced the the results? I know you you cite Ernest Hemingway and what he wrote and how he wrote, even when he was writing fiction. But who do you who do you lean on? Who do you lean on? Well, I, I certainly I certainly wouldn't uh, propose Hemingway as a perfect journalist, but he was a great writer in his in his way. Although he wrote a, a lot of stuff that was uh, really pretty terrible, uh, especially as he got drunker and drunker toward the end of his life, and is more injured in his head. But uh, the, I, in my book, I talk about John Hersey's. Uh, uh, Hiroshima book, which was many thought was the best journalism of the 20th century, and I 
talk about that and kind of argue with that premise. And then Walter Durante, the guy who worked for the New York Times, had got a Pulitzer for his uh, horrible failure to report on the Ukrainian famine in 1932. Uh, And I I, I talk about that as the worst. But for uh, do you mean today or or just uh, well in the past and then today, who do you look up to or not look up to, but who do you single out? Well, I, I talk about, uh, for example, there's still plenty of really terrific journalists around. I mean, Dexter Filkins, uh, formerly of the New York Times, is a terrific war reporter. I think he's he's very, very good. Uh, there's there's still some very good war reporting coming and very brave uh uh, reporting from from Ben Hall, for example, of the Fox News, who was so badly badly wounded, injured uh, yep. earlier in, in the in the war, and uh, you know, the terrific stuff from brave, good journalists. Um, I think I'm, you've 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 got me a little. I hadn't thought in those terms of who were the outstanding well, uh, today my my book focuses mainly on, on the, the past. Tw- 20th century yeah. uh there are a lot today but there's a lot of people are really bad and there's and, and today and and in the sense of uh, much too partisan and a little bit witless and shallow and mm-hmm. there's a that what's wrong today in my view is a tremendous failure of leadership uh, editorial leadership at places like the New York Times. I mean, the the failures in the, it was said that the casualty, the great casualty of the 1960s was authority. Well, now, you know, like the, the authority of the parents and the president and the military and so on. Well, now in the old age of the baby boomers, you see that playing out in the failure of of the authority of editorial leaders in places like the New York Times. I mean, the failure, uh, the uh, evident in the the firing of James Bennett, who who ran the New York Times editorial page, or the the failure implicit in uh, the firing of Donald McNeil, uh, one of the top reporters at the Times, for a perfectly ridiculous and non-existent offense involving the forbidden n-word uh it wasn't an offense at all it didn't you know it was completely it was a very immature act on the part of the leadership of the paper and i think throughout journalism you see that sort of immaturity and and frankly venality that uh a deference to uh just ma- making the box and and uh also pandering to uh, the party line, the, the the basic party line of, of uh, wokeness or whatever whatever uh, the party line is, uh, I, I think that the standard of a more disinterested journalism, uh, where you felt an obligation to give both sides of the story, or and, and that's now derided as some kind of prejudice or white supremacy or God knows what, but uh, to try to understand both sides of the story, that that was the point. You know, you had, you had to comprehend. Uh, you didn't just give your party line, and right. just as, as it would be ridiculous for me to say, well, Brian, I must tell you my truth. And well, 
okay, but but it's it's my version of the truth. But it the fact that it is mine does not make it the truth. And uh, so these are all uh, problems in 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 twenty first century journalism. Uh, in the 20th century journalism, if I used the first person pronoun, I'd better have a very good reason. If I used adjectives, uh, colorful adjectives, I'd better have a very, very good reason. And in the 21st century, boy, go ahead, do it, you know, and and uh, often and that's OK if you happen to be a genius. But if you don't happen to be a genius, then then um, you better watch yourself. And unfortunately, a lot of really third-rate people are doing those things, slinging their opinions around, and uh, the result is lousy journalism. The, the the result is is a a debasement of of the journalism of, uh, that we get in the 21st century. I where it goes from here, I don't know. I. I I hope that it sorts itself out and and there's some reassertion of maturity and leadership, uh, editorial leadership. But it's it's a mess now. It's a terrible mess. Lance Morrow, it's all in your book to to find out how we go forward. It's always good to look back. The noise of typewriters remembering journalism. Lance, thanks so much for joining us. Delighted. Thanks a lot, Brian. All right. uh, Go get them. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.